The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. It's week one is almost in the books. What the hell happened yesterday? I don't know, man. I got to tell you, but I think a lot of people act like they know. We're in the infancy of the NFL season, which means that we're going to get infantile behavior regarding players. And we're going to address some of that a little bit. But I will first say, as a native Atlanta, since the time that William Andrews and Lynn Kane were rookies, and you don't know that, then you haven't been living long enough, and you probably haven't been living in Atlanta long enough to mess with me about it. But when I joke that Tyler Algier is running for his job with B. John Robinson, you don't have to mansplain to me that Tyler (laughs) Algier can run the football, you know? But I, you know, that's week one for you. So let's get on to some of this ridiculousness. First thing I want to ask you, Feel a fuck it. Kadarius Tony after Thursday night. Um, uh, we could take this out broader because I think you could apply this to Sky Moore. You could apply this to the entire Chiefs offense. Here's fuck them as <laughs> consistent weekly producers, right? This is this is what the Chiefs told us was going to happen when they said to Tyreek Hill, go play with Tua Tagovailoa in Miami and go on to greatness uh, and be the lead receiver for a team. Our quarterback is going to pick who the lead receiver is on a play-by-play basis. He's going to find the open man. He's going to hit him. Now, that said, once that happens, the person who is open on that play, it's incumbent upon them to do their portion of the uh, complete the process, uh, which is catch the football. Darius Tony struggled with that, clearly. <laughs> uh, you know, Thursday night. I don't know that that's going to be an ongoing thing. Like, I was happy he got opportunities. But, you know, the the the, the, the broader point is, any, counting on any of these guys for consistent weekly production is going to give you some degree of heartburn, right? Unless something changes. Like, and I'm open to an evolution here where somebody just demands to be the wide receiver one by being open every damn play, right? I mean, that's entirely possible. We haven't seen that to this point in Kansas City. So, and I'm and, and to this point, I'm going to include last year. Uh, so, Kadarius Tony is what he is. He's kind of a little bit of a gadget player with tons of upside based on his tremendous athleticism you know and and i keep pointing to it but we can go back to his you know first his breakout game against dallas with the giants i mean it's like what nine ten catches for 190 yards so i mean he that's in him but that's not him so it can happen but but banking on it is probably is probably going to lead to a lot of disappointments i i invested heavily in him in best ball I invested in him almost zero in redraft for this reason. I you don't know. You're I can't identify the weeks he's going to show up. I can't identify the weeks Sky Moore's going to show up. Sorry, Sky Moore people. I don't think it's going to be every week. I mean, it might be more than what we saw, and it, he might be a more consistent producer. But as long as Travis Kelsey is healthy, and he wasn't in this game, um, but as long as he's healthy, he is the leading receiver on this team, and you could see what his absence did. To this offense right there is not a reliable guy on third downs there's not that guy that the Patrick Mahomes feels he can just flick the ball out to and that guy is going to catch it because that guy wasn't there so uh expect more of the same and, and I hope I hope Sky Moore turns into the thing uh that people on my Twitter desperately want him to be 
Um, I don't know that he will. Yeah, I think the word yet is probably the, the most key thing out of what when you talk about Kansas City's passing game. Because first of all, when you say, you know, you're right there, but there are you right about that? You don't know who you can rely on week to week from the Kansas City Chiefs passing game. But I would argue the broader point is that save maybe a handful of guys. And I'm not talking like the first 30 picks. I'm talking maybe the first five picks at each position and not even that. Maybe there's like two to th one to two guys at every position that you could say you can count on almost every week. Because when you look at, I'm looking at the first three weeks of production from last year, from each of the top 15 players who finished in the top 15 at their position last year, and 30 to 40% of them didn't even score fantasy value right. for two to three, two of those three weeks. I mean, like Josh Jacobs, nowhere to be found. Right. Um, Ramondre Stevenson, nowhere to be found. Devontae Adams, you would think, okay, Devontae Adams, surely Devontae Adams. No. You know, Jalen Waddle, no. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of players that you will look at, and I could name a lot more, but we don't have sure. that kind of time. So, you look at Tony and you say, yeah, that's in him, but will it be, but can he mature enough for it to be in him every week? The potential's there. The reality is one of the riskiest players that you could go for. I took him because I like the risk, so I wanted to give that right. a shot. But when you watch the game and you say, oh, look at the way... His technique just completely was not there when he dropped multiple passes in ways that he shouldn't have dropped. You can also remember that these guys are young, that while they've learned, you know, they, they've learned these techniques and honed them, still you have moments where, you know what, you haven't practiced for a while. Right. And you still have to get back into it. And sometimes you have to get warmed up a little bit. So I'd say Kadarius Tony. That obviously that was on him. Sky Moore, I think it was mostly on you know timing, timing with routes, route depths, certain little tweaks that maybe he needed to do. Mahomes also maybe not quite being on the same page with him either. I think there's a chance for both players to click, um, but they're not players you drafted in the right. first five to six rounds most of the you know most of the time to rely on every week. And even if you do pick those guys pick somebody to rely on every week and you say, well, I don't get immediate production out of them and I drafted them early, then what did I draft them there for? And I would say that would be a good example of someone in the infant phase of their fantasy career let's, as a GM. Right, well, I mean, let's stipulate right here. It, it, September is the most volatile month of all. The, the, everything that happens is, you know, meant more to confuse us uh, than to inform <laughs> us, right? Right. So we can take that, but I, you know, my view of the Kansas City Chiefs receiving core is informed more on the bigger picture, right? When they handed Patrick Mahomes that half a billion dollars, uh, he's going to decide who the wide receiver one is, and it could be any of those guys, right? I mean, and and I'm hopeful that someone emerges, and and maybe it's Rishi Rice, maybe it's Justin Ross. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know. That's why I didn't invest heavily in them, and hopefully. If someone does start to rise and they're available in my leagues, I have the foresight to grab them off the waiver wire as speculative plays. Or if I have room on my roster, yeah. roster them now as speculative plays, which I think you're doing with any of the Chiefs wide receivers right now. They're a little bit of speculative plays because there's going to be volatility. But what you said, your point is totally fair. Uh, this according to one DJ Moore, uh, who you know viewed as the locked-in wide receiver one for the for the Chicago Bears who had a rough week one. I mean, a lot yeah. of people have a rough week one. So 
I, I guess the the big takeaway from this particular episode of the Feel It or Fuck It podcast is fuck the panic button, kids. Keep your thumb off, dial back, and be a patient, a little bit patient yeah. in your approach to, to managing your team. I know we all want to be aggressive and assertive, and nobody wants to be 0-4, you know, after as we leave September or head into October. And that's not the, you know, that's not what we're telling you to do. We're just telling you to, you know, you drafted, you've studied all off season long, you invested in players for a reason. Let them become what you invested in them to be. And those Chiefs receivers, you didn't invest in them to be frontline players. Hopefully they can make tough decisions for you later on. But for right now, it shouldn't be tough decisions. Yeah, and don't, and move off the panic button if you're looking, you know, there's certain things you should be looking at. Like sometimes it's not the box score stat, but it's how well they were utilized. How many targets did they get? How many snaps are they getting? Uh, you know, you know. Then look at the film and say, okay, were these mistakes that are correctable? Uh, are these uncharacteristic mistakes with the player? And if the answer is, you know, the answers are all positive with those things, you stick with the player. You know, and if it, they aren't positive in that regard, wait another week, at <laughs> least another week, just to see because. It may have been the game script. It may have been the matchup with the defense that was being played where they're going to face a number of other teams that can't match up that way. So you have to you have to take your time with it and understand that there's a little bit more context to all of this. And when you do, you'll be fine. And listen, I don't know. I don't know about you, Bob, but I think you and I have both won many a league being 0-4, 1-5. You know, it's I've not had, the I've prettiest thing. Slow starts, plenty yeah. slow starts. Yeah, it's not the prettiest thing, but you can do it. You know, right? And, it's not. No one's pretending it's desirable or not miserable because it is. And you know that. I mean, but you know, a calm demeanor often is what will yeah. steer you through the stormy portions yeah. of the season. Because, because I, I mean, I think the biggest lesson I ever learned from that was way back in the day in a league before I became a fantasy analyst or a fantasy writer, and I panicked because. Chris, because um, my running backs weren't working out. And that was when running backs actually mattered a huge amount in fantasy football. And I traded away Corey Dillon, rookie Corey Dillon, to get Chris Warren, panicking in week one. Um, and in week two, I picked him up. And I had to end up relying on Fred Lane to, like, the, the, the erstwhile Fred Lane, a rookie, to, like, actually propel me to the playoffs. But I would have won huge in grand fashion if I had just stayed patient. So, all right. Atlanta's passing game, though. Panic! <laughs> <laughs> Why, Bob? Why? Why? <laughs> no, I mean, look, I, I, don't, I don't feel like, you know, anyone... We've all kind of baked into the cake that, that, that Kyle Pitts is a bit of a, a crapshoot right now, right? With upside. Uh, we weren't counting on the Drake London uh, no. fiasco we saw in this game. That said, it's one game. I'm hoping Desmond Ritter turns into something more. They obviously, Arthur Smith's predilection is to run the football. We should be aware of this. Uh, I think this game, I'm going to call it an outlier. Uh, I'm going to think Drake London is going to be targeted more. I don't know what to make of Kyle Pitts. Though. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm I I have zero shares of Kyle Me Pitts too. across the board. So that's too. best ball. And that's over a hundred drafts. Yeah, yeah. That's over a hundred drafts. I have zero shares of Kyle Pitts this year. Um, and so I I do think it's interesting that you know one of my concerns and like like obviously B. John Robinson's going to be fine, right? 
he's going to maybe be uh, almost as good as Jameer Gibbs by the time all is said and done. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm kidding people. Well, maybe not. Fantasy, uh, maybe not. Maybe this not. Year, right. Yeah. Right. So, um, so, so I, I feel like the, the, you know, Arthur Smith is, a, you know, widely viewed as a kind of an offensive mastermind and, and we can cite certain circumstances where he looks like he's been that. His usage of Cordero Patterson when other coaches failed to come up with creative ways to use him, Arthur Smith did. Also, there's a universe where you could say Arthur Smith has not done a great job of turning first-round talent into productive members of his offense. And the evidence is Kyle Pitts and so far Drake London. Maybe this has more to do with the quarterback than it does Arthur Smith. Uh, so that's what we need to find out. And it'll be a bit of a process. In the meantime... You continue playing Bijan, you continue playing Tyler Algier, and you and probably continue playing Drake London and, and assume this is an outlier and do what you want with Kyle Pitts. Well, here's you know, from where I see it, I'll look at it this way. If you had to run the ball to defend the planet, you would hire Arthur Smith and get that Atlanta Falcons offensive line. If you had to pass the ball to defend the planet and had to rely on Arthur Smith and that offensive line, you might as well wave the white flag right now. Yes, you might as well look for an escape pod from the planet um, because that's really it. It's a Jekyll and Hyde offensive line. They allowed a lot of early pressure, and then that created a panicky quarterback. Or And I wouldn't even call it a panicky quarterback because it's the opposite of it. You, Desmond Ritter didn't panic and instead he overreacted by saying now I've got to make big plays so I'm going to shoot the, the short reads and try and go downfield and make a big play and do the big boy hero thing Matthew Stafford used to do early in his career and doesn't work out very well and, when you're, and then when your receivers aren't getting um, targets on a regular basis and they do and they drop the ball that exacerbates things too but Atlanta, it just seems like right now their offensive line is like if they were a Madden rating, the offensive line collective Madden rating would probably be 200 out of 100. <laughs> and then the pat and and somebody would say, "Can I take the extra hundred and put it over, over to the run game?" Because if they were that, they'd be the most dominant team in the NFL offense in the NFL most likely, even with a a young quarterback who's essentially still in his rookie year. I'm wor personally, if I I didn't draft any of these guys um, on, on Atlanta other than in the run game, um, so if I had drafted them though, I guess like you said, you wait and see. But I think the pressure is going to be an issue. Of course, when you have Brian Burns on you know Carolina, yeah. you can generate pressure. So there should be some better opportunities ahead, but. Um, I'd be cautious at this point, and I would probably be, if I had equal to greater talent, and I probably did considering where you would get Drake London, where you would get um, Kyle Pitts, you, you maybe start them and just hold on to these guys and see. Okay, Baker Mayfield. They beat the Minnesota Vikings. Mayfield had a good day. All right, am I eating crow for the season yet? Or where are you at at Baker Mayfield? Not for the season. I'm going to go ahead. And, and, uh, I felt him going into this week. He, he went and read my DFS three and out column. He was someone I wanted to play in tournament, stack him with his pieces. But it was matchup-based, not Baker-based. And uh, he doesn't have a good offensive line. Uh, also, uh, he, you know, I mean, he looked he looked out of sorts early in that game. He didn't, what was it, like 3 of 11 
until he threw a touchdown to Michael Mike Evans late in the first half, and then and then came on strong. And I thought he should have been exploiting that matchup from the get go. The Vikings are horrible on yeah. defense, right? And so yeah. so that he that he ended in the end that he came through and delivered reasonable enough numbers. I'm pretty pleased with. I think it gives us some hope for you know the Evans and Godwin investments that we made on the cheap because of Baker Mayfield too. By the way, so there's that. He needs some help from his offensive line. I'll, I will say. Uh, based on what I saw <laughs> this past weekend, uh, this week's matchup against the Bears isn't especially daunting. Yeah, no, I would say it's definitely not. Um, the Bears need a, some smelling salts, and so you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll defer to you on Mayfield on this particular end, um, just from the standpoint of yeah, probably a matchup play with the weapons that he has, but the offensive line, ooh, yeah. So on the other end, though. Jim Schwartz and the Browns defense. To me, this seems like the clown from Saw who's got a bunch of new toys and a, and a new environment to really like lead people into a lot of games. I mean, I, I, you know, how are you feeling about the Browns defense? Are they one that if they're sitting on your waiver wire, do you do you snatch them up? Do you do you think they're even on a waiver wire? If you're in a league with me, they're probably not. Right, in me leagues either. where I drafted. Where I missed out on the Cowboys, uh, which we'll talk about, Cleveland was a was a late target of mine, um, and I'll tell you why. Its name is Jim Schwartz. <laughs> I mean, like, this guy's been. This guy is like you know. I I, I think there's a lot of perceptions of him from his time as a head coach uh, that were maybe less than successful. There's never been any question about his defensive, you know his his defenses, right? I mean, he's always been a sharp defensive mind and one of the smarter guys in the room. That's what got him the head coaching job. He was way ahead on technology back in the day and uh, it always stood out in the crowd. Uh, he's aggressive and he has great personnel. And yes, this is feel this defense. I'll go with that. Yeah, I mean, you've got the flexibility now that you've added Zadarius Smith, who's always been an RSP fave back in the day when the RSP would right for football outsiders may they rest in peace at least the aaron schatz version of that um you know fuck those fuck those guys who screwed over that site I, that's all i've got to say about that you have an opinion on that Matt? i have a i have yes with a with a fucking mallet if i can find those guys that's all i gotta say it, you know I, I i just wish the best to schatz and all those guys and 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 i'm and i also i'll just add kudos to the to the the writers who stuck around long enough to you know do good by Aaron for as long as they as long as they did um but yeah I'll just say that you know you look at this you look at this Browns defense and you see that um with Zaria Smith you can move Miles Garrett a gap standing up in a two-point stance like a linebacker I mean who wouldn't give that would give any quarterback nightmares they're going to be able to blitz Grant Delpit, who was probably was my favorite player in his draft class, offense or defense, who dealt with an Achilles tear and has come back and last year had a really strong season, which, you know, maybe gives us a little hope for J.K. Dobbins somewhere down the line. But, you know, Cam Akers did it, but, you know, that's a real rough blow for him. Um, but on that note, you know, yes, the Browns defense with that secondary and that pass rush you're going to get good initial coverage. You're going to get that pass rush to come home. Your best shot is is hoping that you can beat that pass rush long enough. So maybe the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens of the world can do that. 
but good luck to Tua. Good luck to, um, you know, Joe Burrow. Good luck to anybody who isn't a dynamic creator in the open field. Lamar Jackson's going to give them, you know, give them some fits if they can get it together on offense. Um, Kenny Pickett, I cannot wait next week as a Browns fan. That's all I got to say. Fuck him next week if you're a if you're a fantasy guy because it's going to go from bad to worse. I, think. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna. Um, but that's anyway, I think that's why. That's not encouraging. That, that's why. That's why Jeff Bell's do it. I I would joke if I'm talking trash to my old friend Cecil and, and Sigmund. That's why Jeff Bell's doing the audible Thursday night with me because um, they they don't want to hear it coming this week. <laughs> Those two Steelers fans. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. You feeling him at all? What, totally what's going feel on? Him. Totally feeling him. Have felt him all, increasingly as the exhibition of the summer has progressed, just based on the reports of pretty reliable people that I've talked to over the years in New Orleans, Mike Triplett, Catherine Terrell, uh, people that are, you know, that have that I've, that I've come to trust their opinion of. It, look, this all this had all the fixings going in, right? A, a somewhat aggrieved uh, veteran quarterback who hasn't been horrible, uh, hasn't been super great, but going back and finding the coach who first put him in as a starter during their time together with the Raiders, uh, great supporting cast that might be greater than we know, right, at this moment. Like, I, you know, I've, I've had my feelings about Michael Thomas that I have not been shy about. I think they're going to come to fruition. I think the Juwan Johnson feelings have been, you know, are going to come to fruition. I think Rashid Shaheed, who, you know, seemed like more of a of a fleck of, of a best ball play, may be more than that. Yeah. Chris Olavi's everything he looked like he was last year. By the way, Alvin Kamara will return at some point and may give us a little more than we expect as well, although I don't know that we need it. Um, reasonable offensive line play. Brian Burns will have something to say about this uh, in week two, and we'll see what he says about it. Um, but for right now, I'm feeling Derek Carr. Yeah. Morgan. No, I totally get it. And for me, listen, back in June, I wrote, is Rashid Shahid the key to the Saints' success and why the second-year receiver could create a powerhouse year for this entire offense? And, but... And, and you know when you you talked about all those skill set players, I could never quit Michael Thomas, you know, um, and I and I've loved Chris Olave. So the big thing was can the offensive line play to the level that it needs to? And for the most part, it did. The problem is is that you can't win for the most part with an offensive line, and when one part of it is so bad, like Travis Tra, Trevor Penning was at left tackle. That it's literally like tying a bag of wrenches to your ankle and jumping into a river and trying to swim. Um, that's what was going on with that. So if they can address Penning, whether he gets better or they can find creative ways to maintain the spread of the spread of the field horizontally and vertically while still being able to at least help out Penning. They did a little bit of that with some chips with the tight end playing tight later in the game. Then they can keep Derek Carr in a good enough condition to make the plays. Because if you pressure Carr too much, he makes some boneheaded plays, like the interception that yeah. he threw early in the game. But he's also tough as nails because the clothesline that he took from Al Shahir, Shahir should have been ejected from that game. There, there, there were a few. There was some rough football played I love the replay, Bob, where I'm watching the replay and he puts his hand out like this and gets his forearm right in the head 
And when he realizes that he feels the head right here, he clamps down with the fist. You see him make the fist and then just give it the extra. Hey, we're right here. There, you know? <laughs> Let's party. Let's right. If, I'm already going to get the flag, so I might as well make it count. By the way, you know? pardon me for looking down. I'm feeling this uh, message I just received, though, in my uh, telephonic device. Uh, suggesting I will now be able to watch the Monday Night Football instead of being able being forced to follow it on my computer. Thank you, cable gods or whoever struck uh, <laughs> some kind of deal. Disney and Spectrum appreciate you both. I think I think I think Miss Football Diehard probably just <laughs> just clamped the fist down and and did that. I don't know. I don't it know. Look, it, it looked I'm like going to give her credit because I. It think looked like we were cutting something. it close. I mean, the, there's been a huge battle. Anyone who's out there that's a Spectrum or Charter co customer knows that Disney and uh, their company have been at odds, and that there has been no channels. You have no ESPN, nothing, no chance of watching football, and so or at least Monday Night Football. So. Uh, glad that that got hashed out, so I don't have to learn how to use a new streaming device. YouTube has been nice, I will say. Yeah. I, I've liked what I've seen with YouTube. They've done a good job feeling them, and um, I still have DirecTV just because I do it for college. Um, and I don't know, you know how it is. So I, I fuck them for right now, sort of, <laughs> sort of. You know, they you know. So all right, Jordan Love. You know, from a veteran. Feeling me. Yeah, feeling me, feeling Bob Harris. Yeah. Who's been telling you all off season long? Okay. What I've been telling you is uh, <laughs> that we didn't know what Jordan Love was, but that the Packers probably did. And okay. that the Packers' willingness to move on from a four time MVP, granted, it had to come to an end, but you don't let that guy kick his way out the door without having a plan in place, or at least thinking you have a plan in place. I'm not going to overstate the case because I don't think you need to. I think anyone who watched that game can see that he's not a nobody. He can play football. And so I'm encouraged by what I saw. Hopefully when he gets all his pieces back, it'll get even better. Romeo Dubs is going to be a hell of a player, I believe. And I thought that all along. We heard the reports over the course of uh, exhibition play that, that Dubs was a guy that maybe maybe gets wide receiver one treatment, but, but might, not, might not put up the, the flashier numbers because – you know, Christian Watson is the the gazelle who's going to sprint down and make some huge plays at some point when he's healthy. But uh, there's a lot to like about what Jordan Love does. I would I would second the the Romeo Dubs from what I've seen. He's made improvements at least this week. He showed improvement attacking and positioned himself at the football in the way that a primary wide receiver has to do that he didn't do well last year or ever at Nevada. He was like. It was like 95% of his game was like first round pick caliber. And then his ability to go up and win the ball was like Quentin Johnston free agent kind of stuff that Johnston is having to learn and work his way through. So there's there was definitely progress and that bodes well. I think he's going to have a big year. And yeah, Jordan Love, look, I mean, kudos to you. I got to say this, from what I saw, is he, are we going to be talking about him as an elite quarterback this year in terms of production? I don't think so. Um, but I think that what you are going to see is a player who um, they're scheming him well. They're creating scheme plays that work well because he moves well. So they're doing right. a lot of misdirection, throwbacks, getting guys in open space. And on third and fourth down, people are going to talk statistically about his perfect rating on third and fourth down. But as a Packers fan said on Twitter as I was showing some of the plays, he said it's very clear that Green Bay has figured out the pieces to the puzzle and like on third and fourth down they see the 
they put a puzzle together in a way that the pieces are easy to put into place. And I think, you know, but that's part of that is making the easy plays. What's that? And kudos to, to Matt LaFleur as well. Good, good work on him coming yeah. up with a game plan, minus Christian Watson, to create plays exactly. with other playmakers, right? And, uh, you know, so some of this is on the coach, but uh, but I do feel like, uh, you know, just in general, the 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 view that, you know, I mean, yeah. there was people out there thought Jordan Love was going to be horrible. No. He, no. He's, I'll say this. If Jordan, the Jordan Love at Utah State that we saw his senior year or junior or his last year at Utah State would have been horrible. Three years of sitting behind um, Aaron Rodgers and getting some game game time and some playing time, he looked like a different player. He looked more confident. Now the vestiges of the hero ball, trying to do certain things, throwing the spots. Um, it was he had quelled a lot of that, but you could still see the still see some of the Nick Foles young Nick Foles as kicking up the feet, throwing off the back foot. Just the smart part of it was that he was throwing into open areas where there wasn't coverage, unlike Nick Foles. So I feel overall like you positive about Jordan Love, and then there's more room for growth ahead, yeah. and that could be that could be something. Justin Fields, how about him? Fuck that guy. No, <laughs> so. Watching portions of that game, clearly he is still the runner. You know, here's my problem with Justin Fields. And I don't like to give my friend Michael Fabiano a lot of credit, but I'll go ahead and quote him here and say, don't draft magical seasons, right? Last year might have been a bit of a magical season. We're paying for that. We paid for that in the draft capital. Now, he may have the rushing equity to make another semi-magical season this year. I want to see more as a passer. I did think they threw the ball enough. Uh, so I'm like not giving up on him. I was only kidding at the beginning, people. Um, I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine. But I'm. I'm. You know, we'll see if. I don't have as many shares of him as I might have had he been a little bit cheaper. Uh, I just felt like if I'm drafting that tier, there are other players I was more comfortable with their passing ability, or I'd seen it demonstrated. Right. I've seen it in the past, whether it's Lamar Jackson, uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, even Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, if I could get him cheaper, I'm probably more interested. And I was getting, you know, Justin Herbert and 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 Justin and and Trevor Lawrence and even you know Deshaun Watson and Tua Tagovailoa were kind of preferred options for me. Uh, and I kind of and I kind of flipped on Watson and Tua as we got later. Tua started rising up the ranks for me as we got closer to the season, and I became more uh, oblivious to the fact that there are obvious concerns with him. Uh, being the health and not just, you know, that I'm worried he's going to get a concussion. Cause I'm, I don't think that's my worry. My worry is he's going to get hit. And the observers are going to say he has a concussion, whether he has one or not. And he's going to get, you know, there's going to be overreactions right, to anything that happens to him. But, but just, you know, to get back to, to Justin Fields, I think we did draft him kind of off a, a unique season and I'm hoping he can deliver on that value. And I'm not saying he can't, we just need to see more as a passer, and maybe that's not all on him. Maybe some of that's on the overall offense. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I certainly wasn't. I wasn't telling people not to draft Justin Fields, but I certainly spent a lot of time on players who were in the same area of Justin Fields, recommending them over him. And it doesn't have to do with Fields to me. I think it has more to do with that offensive line. Still, the offensive line's allowing a lot of pressure, um, and that's just that's a difficult thing to be able to get establish a rhythm and to be able to get get on track especially with younger receivers or and unproven receivers or new receivers and that's pretty much where you are uh, other than darnell mooney 
Okay, yeah. and let's not count Cole Komet because no, let's do no. I'm not counting him. I don't. I didn't count him in fantasy. Feeling so feeling Cole Komet. Oh fuck him! All right, <laughs> Kyron Williams feeling that two touchdowns. No, I don't want to feel that. Yes, I'm feeling it as a Cam Akers investor at a reasonable price. Not going to sit here and say that I'm you know not going to cry at the moment because I don't know how it's going to play out. But Williams is. I mean, based on what we saw here, Williams is in the plans more than I anticipated. So good for him. Fuck me. <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. You, you know, watching the game, um, Cam Akers got a shit ton of touches um, and not a lot of yards. Not a lot of um, yards, man. And, a lot like, yeah. like, I don't know if they were blocking better for Kyron Williams or Kyron Williams is just better able to navigate because I didn't well, I didn't pay focus enough attention. I, I'll on the tell game. you why, Bob. I Go will ahead. tell you. Okay. Go ahead. The reason was is that Cam Akers had more players in the box against him, and they were running on down tendencies like first and second down, and then and he would not gain as much yards because he's facing eight nine men boxes. And then with Kyron Williams, they they ran they faced more nickel or dime and and lighter boxes and had him in in third down situations where they ran the ball. So okay, I'll, I'll watch the replay. The plays I saw, he was Cam Akers was getting tackled in the backfield, and the plays I saw, Kyron yeah. Williams was getting into and, the end zone. And so. that had, to, and that yeah, and that had absolutely to do with box and run tendencies and teams going. We're they're going to run on this down, or they're going to pass. Oh no, they ran it. Um, so you had more of that favoring Kyron Williams, um, and there were some good runs for. Um, Acres, there were just also some really big losses due to the fact that they didn't have good blocking up front on some of those plays. So the run game was really hit or miss. But I'll say this: Williams ran well with the situ- with the with the opportunities that he had. He did, um, and he did what he was supposed to do on those plays. And he is pass protecting reasonably well. So yeah, you know, look, they trust him more than Zach Evans at this stage. Yep. So, you know, you can say fuck to Zach, fuck it, Zach Evans at this stage of the game. But if uh, Cam Akers gets hurt, I don't think you're going to be seeing Kyron Williams being um, a 15 to 20 touchback. I'll just put it to you that way. Kendrick Bourne, feeling him? Totally. Started feeling, we talked about it a little bit yeah. in, in previous pause. And I guess this, you know, like he's always been able to play, right? But I think there were issues last year where he was at odds with one Bill Belichick, who probably is not a good person to be at odds with if you're a New England Patriot in that locker room. And uh, now those waters have been smoothed. Clearly, Bill Belichick outright said so and said, uh, Bourne's been all in and we love it. And all things are uh, given all this and just the overall makeup of that receiving core, he's going to be just fine. The routes look good, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if he's their top receiver this year. Right. It's a real um, offense, too. They're, they have an offense this year. It's amazing the difference uh, a coordinator makes. Yeah, yeah. And I'll add um, Hunter Henry and that, that rapport. That motherfucker. M- Mac Jones and him have some real rapport. I mean, that is, that's that's like the type of thing that happens right out of the box, and you can't explain it. Um, I have a message for you, Mike Kosecki. Keep working, young man. This is a real <laughs> offense. There's going to be a room for you. Don't let this Hunter Henry thing throw your game off. It's yes, Hunter Henry's better than you, but you can still contribute, young man. Yeah, he's not a real tight end anyway, so no, he's, he's not a big slot player. receiver. Yeah, right. so there we go. Okay, uh, Mike. Kenneth Gainwell, feeling it? Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> so, uh, so Rashad Penny was the healthy scratch this week. That's the piece I had bought the most of earlier this this year. 
I kind of just avoided the situation altogether. Um, like, if I'm out there right now and I'm in desperation mode to fill a running back spot, I think he's a vi- perfectly viable piece. Do I think that how things stand right now or how things are going to stand midseason? Absolutely not. Yeah, same thing we've been saying pretty much at the end of this at the end of the preseason is that we don't know what the Eagles, who the Eagles running back will be at they season's might not end, know yet. and they don't know yet. Well, but when they find out, we're gonna we're gonna have a good one. For, for for you know to that point, I mean, the cowards listed a starter at every single position on their official depth chart except one, or they listed four at running back, four starters. That's how they yeah. listed it on the official depth chart. Yeah. Man up, Eagles. Pick yeah. one. Let us know. <laughs> we'll be waiting. Fantasy GMs are griping. But nah. I'll say this. Kenneth Gainwell makes a good RB3 until yeah. further notice. That's yep. that's the way I would put it. Mike Swift. Sorry about your DeAndre yeah. Swift scares, people. I'm not. Micah Parsons. Dude, it's the real deal. I mean, Doomsday is correct. He, he had a like So I'm still not quite sure if it's all that the Cowboys were that great or the Giants were that bad. I feel like it's a good mix of both. The Giants were horrible, right, uh, last night. But but this has kind of been my expectation for the Cowboys' defense, who maybe, I, you know, I usually check just the skill players. I should go back and look. Probably one of my most invested in best ball commodities. Probably definitely my most purchased uh, redraft. And where I don't have them, I have a lot of Browns. So... I'm feeling pretty good about the Cowboys' defense. Disruptive playmakers are what I'm after. They have those, uh, and they have some good talent across the board and pretty good scheme, apparently. I like defense, but Mark, Micah Parsons in particular, uh, open a bunch of bank accounts, man. You're going to need to put places to put all your money. Listen, um, Aaron, you know, Aaron Donald gave Geno Smith time to say, oh, shit, you know. Miles <laughs> um, Garrett barely gave Joe Burrow any time to say, oh, shit. And I think, I don't know if uh, Daniel Jones even got O oh, out of his mouth um, with Micah Parsons. Did, what, now, are you feeling this statement? When, watching Micah Parsons against the Giants felt like watching Lawrence Taylor's son in a Cowboys uniform. Maybe a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I had thought about it like that. But yeah, dude, he's definitely, you know, as far as, you know, as far as when you think of a disruptive, when I think of a defense as I'm looking for disruptive playmakers, he is probably the uh, picture of that in the dictionary. All right. DeAndre Hopkins, feel it or fuck it? Feel it. I mean, for as much as this passing attack's going to have, he's going to be the focal point of it. And uh, I'm there for it. I don't know how long Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starter there. And hopefully whoever replaces him, this as things currently stand with being like uh, Willis. So um, we'll see. I'm going to say this. I think I don't, I'm going to say fuck it on the idea that they're going to have another quarterback other than Tannehill. And people are going to be really upset with that idea in week one, but it was in new Orleans. You are, you're opening in new Orleans. The so, part of, I've been to a new Orleans saints opener and my ears still haven't recovered. So I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, like it, it, it was tough over. I just feel like if this team doesn't achieve success at some point or it yes. isn't winning at some point, they're going to make the change. And I don't, you know, I, I thought as rough as I thought Tannehill looked, I think this is not more as much about him. It's just about the situation in general. Yeah. I think, I think we'll see better play out of the Titans. They kind of got knocked out of their, their game from the, they got go. run over. Yeah. 
and I think that they will be better. There were elements there. They were this close on a number of situations, which means that you can wind up that far away. By the way, Derrick Henry can still play. He's an old fellow, but like me, still has some game. Um, but Ty G. Spears <laughs> has got a lot of snaps, man. Yeah, Ty J. Spears, honestly, was um, a couple of couple of better throws away from having a huge fantasy week. Um, and in the top 10 today, that'll be at Football Guys, you'll see some of the important plays where he didn't get the ball that bode well for him in Dynasty. If you don't have him in Dynasty, go get him. I'm, I think that he's going to be one of the one of the better running backs in the league. Um, Tyler Algier. Tyler yeah. Algier. Feeling him, uh, you know, is like the the he's the player David Montgomery would like to be. <laughs> I'm just being a smart ass because everything's about Jameer Gibbs here. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, listen, ran hard. I'm feeling him. There, obviously, right. he continues to run hard, and it's really about this offensive line. If you're a competent running back, um, you can get your touches, and it keeps it keeps things interesting in terms of. Um, having both guys on the field with Bijan and, and Algier, giving Bijan a little bit more rest. Um, so, you you know, the hope yeah, would be I, that he can come on in late in the season and this passing game gets together. I think I think my point is more, you know, about the, you know, the role, splitting the roles with another back. I think both of those guys. But I think the, the price you were paying for David Montgomery is way more, way heavier than it was for Algier. And that may uh, end up in the end. It's a great not point. Having been the, not having been the wiser investment of the two. If you were looking at it that way, and especially same, once Jameer Gibbs just takes over and dominates that backfield, as he certainly will. Oh, okay, well, uh, yeah, I'll say fuck that until we show shows up as a pass protector. Because <laughs> I totally feel. Oh, my God. How did, the, how did the Chiefs... As the bodyguard to I did see. Goff. I did see Montgomery get trucked good on one play, though. He but, did. But, but, he, I, I, but he but he also did what he was supposed to do, which was trip away. that fucker up <laughs> yeah, he as got soon as away. he was on the ground. He was not I, letting Goff get I just want to say for the Chiefs, and without Chris Jones, they had a hell of a – they played a hell of a game on that defensive yeah, front. Yeah, that Dana they, kid looked good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Karloftis, it was all looked good. All right. Yeah, Karloftis too. Go. Yeah, great point. All right. Rams so wide receiver core. We'll end it here. Rams wide receiver core. Sands Cooper Cup. Were you feeling that? Tutu Atwell, the human kite, you know, and and Puka Nakua. As Dwayne McFarland said, name a receiving tandem that has better names than Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. You will not find it. I feel them, but I don't feel them. I feel Matthew Stafford. Yeah, that was a great game. It was a great game. I mean, tight windows, threw it, protected Tutu Atwell really well in the middle of yep. the field. They did a great um, job. And they, they did a great job, too, by the way. I mean... Yeah. But they, but they just they did their job. Matthew Stafford did a great job. Yeah, I would I totally agree with that. And you know we don't always agree, but that's the fun about this show. And you know you can follow the great Bob Harris at Football Diehard. You can follow me at Matt Waldman on Twitter, wherever. And you know check us out, Football Diehards, Football Guys, Matt Waldman's RSP, Sirius XM, Sirius XM. Yes. Yeah, I'm serious about that. Yeah. All, all the funds. Love you. Love man. you, Mac. Goodbye. Bye.